Welcome to the March episode of the ICM and Next Collaboration ESICM Talk. I'm your host, Laura Borgstedt. Today, we will present the new guidelines on temperature management after cardiac arrest, published in Intensive Care Medicine this month. I welcome here Dr. Claudio Sandroni, Chair of the Trauma and Emergency Medicine section of ESICM, and Professor Cherry Nolan, past chair of the European Resuscitation Council. Dr. Sandroni, what did the guidelines recommend until now for temperature management of patients with post-cardiac arrest brain injury? Uh, hello, uh, thank you for having me. Well, uh, brain injury is the main cause of death and disability in patients who have been resuscitated from cardiac arrest. And to mitigate this brain injury, the 2021 guidelines on post-resuscitation care recommended maintaining a body temperature between 32 and 36 degrees for 24 hours in patients who are comatose after cardiac arrest. However, the recent recommendation was based on low certainty evidence. Thank you. Professor Nolan, could you briefly summarize what was this evidence? Sure. Hi, Laura. It'd be a pleasure to. Um, this was based on uh, a few studies. The first two were published in 2002, so about 20 years ago, and they were randomized controlled trials that were conducted on patients with witnessed out-of-hospital cardiac arrest uh, due to a shock of a rhythm um, and showed that um, when you compared um, maintaining core temperature within the range of 32 to 34 degrees for 12 to 24 hours, this was associated with improved survival to hospital discharge and functional outcome at six months when compared with standard care. So they were the first two uh, trials that we considered. And then next in 2013, the first of the TTM trials was published and that um, randomized about 940 comatose patients, again, from out of hospital cardiac arrest. Most of them, about 80%, were from shockable rhythms. And they showed in this study equal rates of survival and good functional outcome at six months between the patients who were randomized to a target temperature of 33 degrees versus a target of 36 degrees. And then the other study, the final one that we considered for uh, our guidelines was the Hyperion trial, which is a trial uh, from France published in 2019. And that showed um, an increase in 90 day favorable functional outcome um, for those patients that, that had a temperature control at 33 degrees for 24 hours compared with normothermia in the other patients. So based on that evidence in 2021, the guidelines for post-resuscitation care that were co-published by the ERC and Ezekiel recommended temperature control at a constant temperature in the range of 32 to 36 degrees for at least 24 hours for adults after either out of hospital or in hospital cardiac arrest. These were patients who remain comatose after resuscitation, and that was regardless of the initial cardiac rhythm. Dr. Sandroni, uh, would you tell our listeners why the certainty of evidence was that low? Well, concerning the two 2002 trials, one was very small, only 77 patients. It was not really a randomized controlled trial because they randomized patients according to calendar days. And the major of these the two trials, the HACA trial, had the major limitation. If we have a look at that article to the graph showing the trend of temperature in the two treatment groups, 
we see that in about one quarter of patients in the control group, the temperature was above 38 degrees. So we may argue that the trial has compared actually hypothermia versus no temperature control and even fever instead of normothermia. In the more recent TTM trial, the temperature control was very rigorous, but the target temperature in the 36 degrees arm was very close to normal temperature. And since the trial was neutral, these results may be interpreted as showing that hypothermia had not great benefit versus normothermia with at least a very, very uh, mild hypothermia. And uh, concerning the randomized Hyperion trial, well, that trial suggested that hypothermia at 33 degrees had a significantly better outcome than normothermia in patients with in-hospital cardiac arrest. But that trial had a fragility index of only one, which means that if only one more patient in the intervention group had an unfavorable outcome, the trial would have shown no benefit, would have been neutral. And finally, we have to keep in mind that none of these trials was blinded because it's very difficult to conceal target temperature from the treating team. Despite these limitations, the overall available evidence was sufficient to support a weak recommendation in favor of temperature control uh, 32, 36 degrees in the post-association care guidelines we issued in 2021. But as I said, the evidence was, uh, uh, the certainty of the evidence was low. Well, very interesting. So Professor Nolan, what happened then? Well, it was um, in June 2021, just, just two months after publication of uh, the guidelines, um, the TTM2 trial was published. And this was a trial that we've been uh, anticipating for, for some time. This TTM2 trial randomized about 1,850 comatose patients resuscitated again from out-of-hospital cardiac arrest from any initial rhythm, and they were randomized either to temperature control at 33 degrees compared with only intervening when patients develop fever, and that was defined as a body temperature of greater than 37.7 degrees. And results of that trial showed no difference in six-month survival or functional outcome uh, between the two groups. And when this evidence was pulled in a new network meta-analysis of temperature control after out-of-hospital out cardiac arrest, the result was no overall difference in six-month survival or functional outcome between hypothermia and normothermia. And I should add that both um, Dr. Sandroni and I were co-authors on, on that meta-analysis. So is this the meta-analysis published in the October issue of uh, ICM? Yes, that's absolutely right, uh, Laura. And then at the same time, um, ILCOR, the International Liaison Committee on Resuscitation, uh, sponsored an extensive systematic review and meta-analysis, um, including evidence on both in-hospital cardiac arrest and out-of-hospital cardiac arrest from all rhythms, which confirmed uh, no difference. And this really prompted um, the guideline update concerning temperature control. So Dr. Sandroni, uh, could you explain the process leading to these newly published guidelines? Yes, the process started with a systematic review conducted on behalf of the ILCOR, the National Liaison Committee on Resuscitation that Professor Nolan just mentioned. The review showed that there was no difference in outcome across different temperature targets different durations of temperature control and also different cooling methods. Now to translate this evidence into recommendations, we followed, following great, 
a structured discussion based on uh, ETDs or evidence to decision tables. These tables are used to guide discussion and purposely raise questions, not only on whether evidence is in favor or not towards an intervention in terms of achieving critical outcomes, but also on the balance between favorable and unfavorable effects on how feasible intervention is in terms of cost, which it can be very important if we have to implement the guidelines in low or middle income settings. This is specifically part of the great methodology we followed. And also the process was transparent because the results of these, these tables were made public and the consensus reached was open to public comment before the guidelines were published. And what do the current guidelines recommend now in terms of target temperature and why? We now recommend maintaining normothermia by actively preventing fever for at least 72 hours in patients who are comatose after resuscitation from cardiac arrest. And the reason for this is that while there is no difference in overall outcomes between temperature control with hypothermia and temperature control with normothermia or fever prevention, fever prevention probably has fewer side effects and probably requires fewer results as compared with temperature control with hypothermia. An example is provided by the TTM2 trial in the fever prevention arm of that trial. Patients had a lower incidence of arrhythmias causing hemodynamic instability, namely bradycardia uh, causing hypotension. And in almost two thirds of them, the temperature control was achieved without the cooling device but just using exposure or lowering the ambient temperature or treating these patients with antipyretic drugs. And although there was no direct cost estimates, the panel of the guidelines felt that these interventions cost less than a cooling device. So Professor Nolan, are there any patients where hypothermia may still be considered? Well, I think this was probably one of the most controversial uh, aspects of, uh, of the discussions that we undertook in formulating these guidelines, because although our systematic review found no evidence in favour of temperature control with a target of 32 to 36 degrees in any particular patient subgroup, there remained a view from some panels, and I should say a strong view from some panel members, that some populations of cardiac arrest patients could potentially benefit still from this treatment. And as we said for, for, uh, before, for example, the results of the Hyperion trial, which was conducted on patients resuscitated after non-shockable rhythm cardiac arrest. This trial showed higher rates of 90-day survival with favorable functional outcome um, where, with temperature control at a target of 33 versus 37 degrees. So one might argue in that subgroup that there is some evidence of, of benefit. Um, the other thing is that the largest studies included in our review included mainly um, arrests from a primary cardiac, accord, cardiac cause rather than, for example, asphyxial cause. And therefore, their results may not be totally generalizable to all resuscitated cardiac arrest patients, particularly, as I've mentioned, asphyxial ones. So most panel members agreed that until new evidence uh, be becomes available, targeting 32 to 36 degrees may be considered in some patients according to local protocols. Thank you very much. So Dr. Zangoni, now we come to the practical implementation of fever control. So what should we consider as fever in a resuscitated patient? Resuscitated patient what is the normal temperature? 
Uh, thank you, Laura. This is a very important question. So there was obviously discussion within the panel about the definitions of normothermia, and the major reference for that was a study conducted uh, five years ago in New England, Northeast US, on more than 35,000 non-infectious outpatients. And that uh, study showed that 99 of patients had a temperature ranging between 35.3 degrees and 37.7 degrees. So we defined fever as any temperature above 37.7 degrees. And why did you recommend a duration uh, for temperature control of 72 hours? Well, this was partly based on the fever control arm uh, of the TTM2 trial, where the duration of the intervention was 72 hours. And also in the previous TTM trial, a suggestion was made by the investigators to the participating centers to maintain a normal body temperature for unconscious patients until 72 hours after cardiac arrest. And this makes sense because uh, notoriously the hypoxic ischemic brain injury evolves during the first three days after resuscitation from cardiac arrest. My personal experience, for instance, with resuscitated comatose patients is that in early in the phase after resuscitation, uh, you have few signs of hypoxic ischemic brain injury. The, the markers of brain injury, like neuron-specific NLAs, can be very, very low initially. You may have a normal brain CT, but after a couple of days, uh, in the, the most severe patients, you can say devastating signs of brain injury. You see uh, an important brain edema on brain CT. You see high levels of neuron-specific NLAs. So it makes sense to continue neuroprotection during the first 72 hours after cessation. Mm -hmm. So Professor Nolan, um, the fact that hypothermia is no more recommended, does it mean we should abandon temperature control altogether after cardiac arrest? No, no that's absolutely right, Laura. There's been a lot of concern that the guidelines would lead to clinicians abandoning temperature control altogether, and that's not what we are advocating at all. So all members of the panel agreed that we should continue to recommend active temperature control, albeit at normothermia, in post-cardiac arrest patients. Although we recognise the evidence for this is actually quite limited. And in fact, there are no trials comparing normothermia fever prevention with, with no temperature control at all. And we very much hope that the future TTM3 trial, which is now funded, um, will actually address this question. Well, thank you very much. Let's wait for the TTM3 trial. Um, this was the uh, ICM and Next collaboration ESICM talk. And I say thank you very much to Professor Nolan and Dr. Sandroni for this very interesting talk. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much.